to that. Um, I've often heard that it is best to start these types of talks with a joke to make you people feel comfortable and relaxed. And so I have no such plans. What I do have, though, is a clip from a live recording I made on the 20th of October, 2020. Please, viewer discretion is advised. My name is Obianuju Catherine Ude. Don't worry, you can call me DJ Switch. <laughs> For years, young Nigerians like myself with interesting hairstyles, ripped jeans, iPhones, nice cars, have been harassed, extorted, illegally detained, tortured, raped, and killed by the Nigerian police. Specifically, a unit of the Nigerian police called SARS. SARS stands for Special Anti-Robbery Squad, and trust me, they truly are a special bunch. A special breed of armed robbers in uniform. A special group and gang of rapists in a, with a badge. A special crowd of murderers with a license to carry a gun. For as long as I can remember, we begged and petitioned the Nigerian government to put an end to this kind of Hello and welcome back to another episode of Shalom Talks. This podcast is available on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast from. How can we how can we take this guy? How can we get him into hospital? Please, you need to move in, you need to move in a group. You need to move in a group for the hospital. Because why would they protest when this guy not go get infection? This is somebody that survived. They shot the person's leg. Right? Oh, this one survived. Other people are, they've been shot and killed. But it is the 20th of October. So once again, it's another Monday and another time or it's another it's an opportunity for me to be here for you to listen to me and for me to be on the other side um saying something to the air and hoping that you're going to tune in and probably join the discussion okay so today i have a guest on the show and this person is actually the one okay that's the voice you actually yeah, every every time you come on here, the signatory and uh, the signature entry to this show. So I'm going to tell you a bit about her, and then I'll just leave the floor open for her to talk about herself. Then we'll go into today's topic. So basically, her name is Olaide Amosu, and we've been friends for a couple of years now. And yeah, she's one of the inspiration behind me finally starting this podcast so that i am this kind of person that could have a lot of ideas and and i could probably have them in paper or i would just say them to the wind or i just put a call through hey Oisa, what's up um i'm thinking about this i'm thinking about that and then i don't turn up or i don't show up and do anything about it 
And then, yeah. So when I was going to start the podcast, she was one of the few persons that I spoke to, spoke, spoke with about it. And that's because she is a broadcaster. So she's kind of in the industry or she knows a bit about the whole thing. And uh, because we are friends. So when I told her, I'm like, hey, babe, what's up? This is the idea and, and so on and so forth. I think I just binned it for another three months. And then she was like, oh, God, you need to start this thing. Now. You need to like, you need to start. Then I said, and she would usually do the editings and listens and haul for me. And I know, but, but yeah, today I have on the show and we'll be discussing NSARS, the NSARS protest last year, October 2020, you know, activism as young people in, in Nigeria or in Africa, uh, what the NSARS movement will mean for the future and the steps that the government has taken to suppress us so far. So before I go, well, before we go deep into the show, um, Oiza, the floor is open to you. Starting with the Nigerian Minister of Information, Lai Mohammed. And yes, you, you heard me right. The Nigerian Minister of Information, our very own spin doctor. Yeah, his first name is Lai. It's inevitable, right? The pun is begging, is begging me. Lai called the shooting a fabrication of a massacre without bodies. He said I was a purveyor of fake news with the intent of tarnishing the nation's image that I am a terrorist. Now, let me do something funny. Hello and welcome to Shalom Talks. <laughs> Thank you very much, Shalom, for the introduction. I didn't know. Uh, so couple of years doesn't really give your audience the idea of how long we've known each other and how important we are in each other's lives. So I'd say we should not be trying to be too sneaky and vague with it, okay? <laughs> All right, so my name is Olaide Oiza Amosu because you'd hear him call me Oiza, although he introduced me as Olaide Amosu. But yes, I'm a broadcaster. I work with a radio station here in Ibadan, and it's been a pretty exhilarating experience. And uh, yes, he did say something about me being one of the person he speaks to. He also is my confidant, you know, someone who makes sure to make me do the things I'm supposed to do. Because procrastination is one of those things that we all happen to battle with. But it's been, it's a really, really big, huge honor to be here. And of course, I want to say thank you for listening to us, for sharing my wonderful friends podcast and for always making it a date. I'm, I'm super glad to be here. Thank you so much, Oiza. Yeah. So uh, without wasting any time, let's delve deep into it. Two days ago, I took a taxi, uh, Uber to be specific. I took a taxi and I got talking with the driver and started talking about the old NSAS protest, police brutality, and all. Personally, I have my stories, my encounters with police and all. But this guy's story kind of strikes me. And I might still share my story as the show proceeds, but I will just start with this guy's story. So um, in 2019, he was traveling to his in-laws barrier in um, Enugu, if I'm, not, if, I'm, if I'm correct, or somewhere in the east. And um, he made a mistake. He joined the wrong bus and then he had to drop somewhere and then take a new bus. And in the process, while he was somewhere, he, he was totally unfamiliar with, he was just coming out of the park. The police picked him up and he was taken to the police station. Okay, so what did I do or what have I done? Um, they said, 
he had murdered somebody. This is somebody that when they opened his bag, it was too well uh, clothes and, and I think food that was in his bag. So now you are tying this guy to murder all of a sudden. But that's, that's not even the painful part. This guy was held in for 27 days. I mean, 27 days straight in, in the cell. No charge, nothing. And you know that um, human rights law or Nigeria's constitution says that somebody should not be held up for more than 48 hours if he's not going to be charged to court. So if you know that you want to investigate or whatever thing you want to do, everything must be done within the first 48 hours. Anything aside that is infringing on the right of such individual. Now, so this guy was in the cell and he could not contact anybody. He couldn't contact any of his family members totally in no man's land. And then on the 27th day, somebody was going to be re released from the cell. And this guy told me that he said, okay, he was just going to take a chance, like the story of Joseph in the Bible. So he said mm -hmm. he, he just took a chance on the guy and then he said, oh, you know what, man? Um, when you get out there, this is my ATM. I have 200,000 Naira in my, in my account. Help me get a lawyer so that I can get out of here. So this guy just being a good guy, just one of the friends he made in the cell. This guy took his ATM and then he was able to get food for him for I think three straight days or so. And then on the 29th day, um, he finally got a human rights lawyer to come there to come and ask for him. So that was the first time in a month, or almost a month that he was sitting in the cell that somebody was going to come for him. And when this human rights lawyer came, he, before he came there, he had already made some moves, you know, yeah. because- I was going to ask what about his family? Didn't they think to look for him? Yeah, so so they 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 made attempts, but because you know when the police picked him up, they collected his phone and apparently they turned off the phone or they switched off the phone. He couldn't access the outside world. So you know you know these things. You know the way it works in Nigeria. It's not so, or you know so the way it works. So they were completely in the dark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were, and he was supposed to attend the barrier. So he was talking to them along the road. Oh, sorry, it's like I've taken the wrong bus or I've dropped at the wrong place and I'm supposed to take another bus and then the thing just went off like that. And then it went on for days. They couldn't get through to the guy. So he told me that his family members thought he had died. And then because of, and in the process, his mom fell ill and she has still not recovered up to today. So she, she all of a sudden, has now she's now permanently uh, hypertensive. And... Um, and so, okay, so let me just, let me just continue and just tell, let me just conclude this story. So he said the human rights lawyer came and they were still, so the police were claiming not to have any knowledge of the guy, that there was no such person in their cell, you know? Then, you know, in the process, so until, so the guy, the human rights lawyer actually was classmate or classmate with, I think the... A deputy commissioner of police for that state or the commissioner for police for that state and so he made that uh, he made the call the commissioner for police or the deputy commissioner of police made the call that that person should be released from the cell so it was at the mention of commissioner for police that they now had to now take his case seriously so they now had to so they they they, they now moved this case to court and i think after two or three days he was, he was finally released. And the lawyer actually sued the, sued the uh, Nigeria police force 
on infringement on human rights and all. And up to today, this is two years after, uh, they were supposed to pay a fine of 5 million naira to this guy. That's what the court uh, charged, or that was the fine that was placed on the court by the, um, was placed on the Nigeria police force by the court. And he said, up to now, the only sum that he has gotten is about 1.5 million naira. And this is just a case. And this guy was actually even lucky to, to be able to make some moves and because he had some money in his account. I just imagine that if it was somebody that didn't have any money in his account for him to have to be able to pay a lawyer and somebody that had such influence to come around and, and do this and do that. So many of these cases or so many of uh, random cases of police picking people up in Nigeria just goes under the radar or goes and nobody ever knows where these people go to. And and this is something that everybody knows. This is something that happens to everybody. I know, Oiza, there was a time you, you and somebody was actually picked up by police somewhere, somewhere in Ibadan. Okay, look, if anybody can assist us, if you live close to Lucky Gates, please, I don't know, maybe a group can come if you can help. Please be your brother's keeper. They need to remove this bullet from this boy's leg so that they don't cut this boy's leg so that it doesn't get infected, please. That happened and I got, we got stopped by the Nigerian police. This happened sometime in May 2020. I had just closed from work that day. I had gone home, but I had intentions of going over to another friend's house for that night. So on my way, I met up I met up with a friend and he decided to give me a ride to the bus stop. So we're just a few minutes away from the from our final destination when this black van, you know, those ones with the open back, yeah. just pulled up. You know, it was not like it was an easy he just drove recklessly and came to cut us off. And then the next thing they were like, wind down. You know, you know how aggressive they can be if they want to be aggressive. So when, while that was going on, they decided, told all of us, you know, get in the car. One of them joined us in the car and I was like, drive, you know, he took us to the bus stop and then we parked at a corner. And uh, when the conversation was going to start, I was, asked, I was going to ask, you know, um, do I have to stay or can I go? And then he was like, you know, he started to accost me, tell me, where do I think I'm going? Should get back in the car. I was like, oh, <laughs> you know me, I, I don't know. I don't want to call it naivety, but I just, I was just like, you know, um, I think it's, you don't have a business with me. Can I just please go? Because it was it was running late. It was at night. I think this was it was like around 8 p.m. So then they said, no, we're going to go to their station. Fine. So we got to their police station and, you know, they kept me in one room and then took the guy to another. I was just praying for his life because I didn't know what to expect. I don't know what the accusations were at that point because I couldn't even ask questions. They were not ready to listen to me. I was being told to shut up or not speak. And then I had carried like an overnight bag with me. Then one man just came in and was like, hey, you, what do you do? Now, nah, can you call you BRB? You know, all, all sorts of names. And then he was like, I should empty the contents of, contents of my bag. He wanted to see what I had in there. I had clothes. I had personal things in there. You know, uh, I had it, uh, I had a sanitary towel. I had my undies. Because I, I was packed for it. It was an overnight bag after all. So, um, 
that experience. I had to start texting my friend. Like, I think I remember texting you. Yeah. Now, please, oh, I mean, so, 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 please, so. <laughs> <laughs> please, so, I had texted another, the friend I was supposed to meet up with that, ah, this is where I am, or in case you can't reach me anymore, that they are not letting me go. Eventually, he had to pay them off. And the, the basis, the reason they found nothing on him, they searched us, they searched the car, they found nothing. There was no, the whole conclusion was a Nayao boy, you know, it's just sad. It's really sad. And I'm pretty sure I had it easy. Many more people have had much more harrowing experiences. People, mutual friends, Shalom. Yeah. I remember one that happened to Raphael mm. during the COVID-19, during everything, they picked him up. And it was his COVID. I think he tweeted about it and, and some news blogs picked it up. And then he had said it was his COVID-19 status at the time because he had tested positive that, you know, rescued him that day. Hmm. They they told the boss that he was in to go, but they told him to come down. I mean, the stories, they're both horrific and terrifying and unbelievable. And I just, and one year later, this is where we are. Hmm. You know, I, I like to think that, uh, okay, I like to just look at the 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 history of NSARS, um, how the NSARS movement started and um, how it did feel that it got to the peak in October last year. It seemed, and right now, as I'm trying to recall or talk about the, and to just try and recall and remember the way the event went, went uh, I played, I am having goosebumps, I have to tell you. Um, so in the weeks preceding the preceding October um, last year, it just appeared as if every day when people came on Twitter, they were talking about police injuring somebody somewhere and shooting somebody down somewhere. Um, police is always, police was always, always, always in the news. There was when- so much crimes. There was so much crimes. You know, we saw videos every day on yeah. social media, young men being shot at, um, women, children being caught in the crossfire of, of this unnecessary pursuit. You know, it, it was just the trauma. The, 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 the trauma is still there. You, you think about it and then you're like, how are we surviving Nigeria? A country that's determined to cut the life of its youth short without mm. even giving them the opportunity to to be to to get to their full potential mm. I, I don't know i don't know but I, I always feel bad when people say it's a nigerian thing because i think i think nigeria should not be unfair to its citizens and in the weeks preceding the NSAS campaign becoming a mainstream thing that actually then shut the country down for 10 days, if I'm, if I'm, not, if I'm not wrong. It, did, it seemed as if some people were just sitting down somewhere and they could have just made a call to, to prevent certain things and then they were just not doing it. What actually happened? I, I think that these stories coming up on Twitter, especially every day, especially as at September last year, September 2020, did just mean, or I wouldn't know, probably it was unemployment or the high rate of unemployment as at that time. And uh, the fact that people were in school, uh, people were not in school uh, because ASU was on strike. And then we were just recovering from the full lockdown of COVID. I don't know what exactly to pinpoint as the event that 
meant that uh, October was like the final time. Everybody was just like, okay, enough is enough. We just need to get out there and make our voice heard. I don't know, but because I like to draw patterns and I believe that certain things, certain things that become mainstream are usually product of like five coincidences. So I think that ASU unemployment and the boredom for students of ASU, that is students that are supposed to be in university. And then the fact that we're in lockdown and we're just coming out and everywhere was dry and uninteresting and whatever it is, just meant that um, when that protest was finally going to start, everywhere in Nigeria was just picking up. You know, it started from Lagos, then Abuja, then we had it in other states in the east. We didn't have much movement in the north because I think uh, it's on record that police brutality is not really irate in the north anyway, for reasons that are outside of the scope of this show. Uh, so, so I don't know. What do you think? We are, what, ex, what point did you think was like the tipping point for everybody and it meant that we had to eat the street? Well, I would, you know, all these things that you said have always happened before, you know, yes. save for COVID-19 lockdown. Um, there, there's always been unemployment. There has, ASU has always gone on strike. I, I, I'm pretty sure you experienced a bunch of it yourself when you were in school. So this, the, these things is like, I feel it's a, it has been like, you know, an accumulation of things. It's not just like, oh, this was what you, and all of what you mentioned is not saying that it's not valid. It was just like, it was just the tipping point. You know, there's this, there's this saying, um, um, there's a point you back um, with snake back to the wall and then you can't, it just comes at you, right? Mm, mm. So we've, we've been enduring, we've been finding ways to, to keep coping and hoping, looking forward to one day, somebody is, going to come into power or somebody's going to emerge who feels like okay who understands the pain enough of the lies we get told so many lies too many lies lies that we they are glaring to even the blind man on the streets that mm. come on enough of the insults to our intelligence enough is enough make this stop you say you keep saying you've disbanded sauce you know reform the Nigerian police. Now, this you remember these were the things that we were asking for. Not even really looking at the bad go- the you know bad governors at that point. We're saying, fine, take all the money that you want to, but then stop killing the youth. At that time, from September till October, from you know, especially during lockdown, because the fact that we were still in lockdown, so many atrocities were still being committed by the I just don't want to just say it was only the okay by the Nigerian police by security officer officials here in Nigeria. It was not fair mm. when they were supposed to protect. I thought there were so many stories, and, you know. And then one day, there's only so much that a human being can take. Mm. And then we saw that our mothers, our parents, the older generation who were supposed to be our voice to speak up for us. And there was that. I feel it was that moment that we realized that nobody's going to come and save you mm. if you do not decide to save yourself. And I, that was it because. For everybody else to have bite, to have bought into it here, especially in the south, the southern region of Nigeria, you know, we did say it wasn't that, you know, intense in the northern region. Yeah. Everybody had had enough. The south south was having their own issues based on the fact that you know what happened uh, back with Ponde, uh, for their allocations, the funds, everything that had. How much was did he um, did he embezzle? Again, that's the word, because nothing has been said about that now, even till this very moment. All of these things, it was just a cascade of events. Mm. It was just, it, it was like a domino. You know, when you when you lay down a domino track and then just one thing just, and everything just starts to crumble because there was no even line foundation to even make your people believe you that, yes, you're going to rectify and do something about this. The Nigerian police had been left alone for, 
far too long with way too much power that they, than they deserve, especially that special anti-robbery unit. Their actions had been left unchecked for way, way, way too long, way too long. And the Nigerian youth had had enough. We yeah. had had enough. Yeah. I recall you were on the streets. Yes, I, I, I was on the streets. Yeah, I was on the streets. Also remember that our parents were not really keen for us to be out there scared. Uh, How um, long are we going to stay scared? There's so, this thing that they said. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you understand? Yeah. Uh, okay. So, so I think. Okay. So let me just let me say that about like, a bit of the story of eating the street and parents being skeptical. So um, th- this is a bit that I didn't want us to just jump to, but I'm just going to mention a bit of it right now. So our parents were actually right when they said we shouldn't eat the street. And this is what I mean by they were right. They have seen this old Nigeria thing so many times that they knew what was the outcome or they knew what would eventually be the outcome. Yes, we were all shocked by what eventually happened and all, but these people... They've seen, I don't know, these people have just seen it so many times that they just know that, oh, the people you guys are dealing with, they are not so diplomatic, and this is what they will eventually resort into. So up to probably... And the they second... lack emotional intelligence. That's the one thing I'm going to say. Yes. Up to, I think, 21st or 22nd of October, my mom, personally, she didn't believe that I actually did literally eat the street. She just thought maybe I was doing my whole social media activism thing. And just, uh, I think two or three days ago, I think I think specifically the first day I actually eat the street was 15th. And I was just I was just browsing on my phone in the morning and then it just popped up. These Google photos just popped up, memories. Oh, today, one year ago, and I'm like, oh, damn. Yes, I really did eat the street. And I posted the pictures. And then people came out and said, okay, so... I got two responses that I wasn't so cool with, but I just kept quiet. So somebody said, oh, it's God that saved you. So you too, you were on the street. I'm like, okay, you mean that? And ideally, this is how we attribute a lot of things to God and stuff. And things that ordinarily should not even be there, we now start, permit me to say, we now start attributing such things to God. So... Ordinarily, what happened on the 20th of October, 2020, should not happen anywhere in the world. I don't know. I, I, I'm just always inconvenient. I'm just not always very convenient with when people make such attributions. So there was an, another one happened live t- on live TV. So these Kaduna State students that were kidnapped some time ago, I think that was in May, if I'm, if I'm correct, this private university in Kaduna State, where I think about 20 of their students were kidnapped by bandits. Uh, some of them were killed. And then the parents and maybe the school had to raise money to pay off the bandits to release the other ones. And immediately those children came down the somebody family was seen hugging each other and they were like hey thank you jesus thank you jesus i i I felt very bad for africa i felt very bad for nigeria i felt very bad for people i felt very bad for myself that that was a situation where somebody was saying thank you jesus honestly so somebody saw my picture and they were like oh thank you jesus you did not die during the answers wow wow really yeah i hope you corrected that person (laughs) let's just let's just go ahead 
it wasn't a kind of conversation that I needed to correct because that if if we talk about it, it's just basically saying your the person was just you know it's just like making light or undermining the fact that people real people died. I know that uh, the Nigerian government come out to say that nobody was killed, that people were only shot at. Please, people, if you can call a me- uh, the medical ambulance, call, they can come to Lekki Togate. The soldiers, the soldiers are supposed to let yeah. document that one. Please record my life. If she should die in this situation, Nigeria, this is now. Even the military, sorry, Lekki Sorry, the people put it They are shooting us. They are shooting us. We are not. My battery will soon die. And we we are not. But we know the truth. We know the truth. People died. People died that day, and not just that day. People have been dying from police brutality, from the Nigerian government's response to public outcry over police brutality and excessive force against the Nigerian populace, against its youth. We shouldn't make light of that. We should not. It was a really, really traumatic experience. And we all had to go through that. People lost daughters, sons, friends. Sad. Really sad that this is our reality. And we had thought that at the end of it, oh, maybe there will be some, we'll find justice. And justice is, hasn't still been, it hasn't been served. Nobody has been persecuted to the best of my knowledge. By the 8th of October, the streets of Nigeria were filled with young men and women protesting. Nobody has been incarcerated and it's a year later. Yes, I know judicial proceedings take time. But in matters like this, it should not take this much time so that your people can still believe in you that, yes, you care about them. Like, it's just, it permits me to speak Beijing. It's just they moss me. And I know we all won't be forgetting 2020 in a hurry. As the coronavirus ravaged the globe, back home in Nigeria, we were more afraid of another type of virus, SARS. On the 3rd of October, a video surfaced online where SARS officers shot a young man and fled. Well, uh, we can we can we can continue to dance round around 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 this thing, and we will just keep talking about how unfair it can be. So I'm just gonna we're just gonna look at some key things that happened. Some of the reasons why the NSAS protest was a success to the extent to which it was, because um, all of a sudden we were able to at least gain the attention of the world to look into how bad the system can be in Nigeria. And I remember, I think Trevor Noah. At this point, the hashtag end SARS was trending all over the world. Comparing police brutality to the old racism and um, BLM thing in America. I also think that that was one of the things that influenced the end SARS happening anyway. Trevor Noah was saying that, uh, you know, in America, it is white versus black. But then in Nigeria, it is black versus black. It is Nigeria government or it is Nigeria versus its own people. And it made it so, look so bad that, man, these people look at the side of the world where they are from and look at what they are doing to themselves, you know? And, and I remember him, I remember watching the video where he embraced that. What I'm, what, what I'm just trying to say is we were able to...
at least um, bring the attention of the world to what was happening in Nigeria, even though you may argue that what has been overall, how much effect has that had on what is happening. One reason I think that the NSAS protest was different from anything that the Nigeria government has seen before, experienced before, and why it was a little difficult for them to quell it quickly was um, the use of technology by young people. Okay, so the use of technology by the young people or by Yes, by the use for NSAS protest meant that it was difficult for the government to actually really, really pinpoint or pin down people. So if we were to start a protest in my streets now, what would just happen is I'll just go on Twitter and say, hashtag uh, whatever street I'm living in, XYZ, everybody, let's meet by eight o'clock at XYZ location. And then immediately you see that there's some sort of odd movement around your protest. You start informing everybody, oh, XYZ has happened at this social so protest location, and then everybody receives the information almost immediately. And then we saw that that cascaded into what, we eventually, what is eventually happening in 2021, which is the ban of cryptocurrency and the ban of Twitter. And then, yes, linking your SIM card to your national identification number because um, public figures and politicians were at the end of phone calls and threatening phone calls and phone calls pleading and pleading that um, something should be done about the terrible situation of um, uh, the police brutality and all became what it was. And for 10 straight days, this country was shut down because young people decided that they had had enough. Yes, technology was. It played a huge role. I think it was one of the reasons why we even got together in the first place. You know, in the past, we've always had, you know, a little bit of agitation here, a little bit of agitation there on Twitter, but it never, it never for once, like, you know, it was not something that, that we actually thought we could, you know, bring into real life until it did. And hmm. then look at us being so coordinated. NSAS and technology birthed a lot of things. Hmm. We saw how competent we could be. We saw, we made things happen. Yeah, yeah. We made things happen. Do you want to talk about feminist coalition and and the funds and the mobilization of medical aid support loss and damage control legal aid support do you know how many people they got there was there were lawyers everywhere we have a system it worked we saw that we could make a system that works because you know the leaders made it seem like it's some tedious work i'm not saying i'm not trying to make light of it but then you chose to serve the people didn't you so yes, it is tedious work, but we saw that it could be done. It's not impossible. And technology played a really, really, really great role in that period. It really did. But it would be ironical to see that just after NSAS period and everything that happened, you know, how calculated, I don't want to, I don't want to say everything is linked. How calculated the federal government has come after every single business that there is that is associated with technology, Twitter has been banned in Nigeria. The reason that it was banned, the reason that was cited for it being banned is a little bit, it's a little bit on the nose. 
very, very silly reason, if you ask me. Cryptocurrency, you cannot trade cryptocurrency in Nigeria. You can't use your bank. Like so many things. It's just, I feel like we're still being bullied by the Nigerian government. That's what Mm. they're doing. Uh, One thing I love to identify that was quite unique and interesting to me was the fact that the movement did not have a specific leader. And also that actually meant that the movement was very difficult for the government to track. If there was somebody that you could say, oh, it is Bamigwe Shalom that is um, heading the show, um, or heading, sorry, not the show this time, heading the protest, you could just go pick up Shalom Bamigwe and then everybody's gone, you know. But then you couldn't. Uh, really pinpoints who exactly, you know, everybody was a leader and everybody was a follower at the same time. It's just like you said, it was just a very interesting system where you just watched everything work out, you know, you know, you, you could be on the ground. You could hold people accountable. Yeah. We hold people accountable. The transparency, there was no shadiness, even, even if there was none that was known that was as obvious or to the public eye i'm not sure about that but we could hold people accountable people that we that we vested responsibilities in where we could hold them accountable for their actions we got real-time feedback yeah can you uh, you just you just go to bed and wake up in nigeria and you wake up to one policy that you don't even know why it was for why it was created who it was meant to aid you are just told oh today oh so, 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 and so. I mean, you're like left wondering, no explanation, no accountability, nothing. One, one other interesting thing I like to look at or that I also uh, identified is the, so I'm going to put it this way. I am a storyteller, apparently. Mm-hmm. One of the things that podcasting, especially, has now made me super or more conscious to is stories and answers change the way I now read history or the way I read history books. So because I saw the movements, I saw all the things the government did, even during the protest and the way they were trying to undermine events, the way they were making it sound like nothing was happening. But then we were on ground and we were seeing the truth. We were seeing what exactly was happening. So when you go, so for example, as as we speak now, major reports that were available as at this time last year have been wiped off the internet and you can't find them again. A lot of terrible stories that were told about police brutality no longer exist on the internet as we speak. So I now start looking at, oh, the civil war in Nigeria, oh, World War One, World War Two, all these wars, the genocide in Congo, all those things that we've, all those things we read, all those things we read in history books, were they truly Are represented? Are history books? Are they really the true story? Exactly. And it just, all of a sudden, I, I can no longer have that kind of, it's as if you stripe me of my innocence. I can no longer have that kind of relationship with the world again. I just feel, oh, I could be reading rubbish. Like the only way I can know um, the real story that happened there is for me to actually find at least five people who probably experienced who experienced what happened there. Because even as yeah, we speak, there are young can, people that claim that the end. Who can recount the experience? That's the narrative that is being pushed. Remember, I said now stories going around is nobody was killed. They're not saying nobody was shot at. They said people were shot at, but nobody was killed. And then there's another one saying that the you know it was blanks that were fired at the people and not. Uh, not um, live ammunition but then we know what we saw we know what we heard the in we the people who were there that day they're forever traumatized they have to live with this for the rest of their life for as long as they live they have to live with this Hmm. you know it's it's not fair to them to try to change 
and marred the story? Why can't it be told as it is? And you remember then there were so many media houses or so many media houses that were being dragged in the mud for not telling the story as it was, mm. not reporting the truth. But then I, I feel we can take a jab at, you know, at, at the media because that's where I am. Isn't that what we're supposed to do? Tell the truth? Well, 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 the truth... <laughs> The truth is always there's no absolute truth yeah there's always interest or there is all yeah there's always interest and interest would usually supersede the truth that is how it works the word is 99.99% weird all the time uh i think the coping mechanism whether this was intentional or it just happened by coincidence was the trend of music that came a few weeks after uh the protest happened so i think that those songs made it such that even if you people scrub of or scrub of all the news from the internet if you can somehow manage to at least maybe populate the internet with more lies than truth such that somebody that is coming 20 years would doubt if the true account is actually the truth i don't know if you get what i'm trying to say mm-hmm. a couple of songs coming after that uh putting those lines and stories telling stories about answers i think i think those ones really helped to to at least stamp it permanently in history that it happened. And, and because music is less regulated, music is not as regulated as the media. Um, one song that really stands for me, and I, yes. listen to that, I listen to that all the time, all the time. Anytime I, anytime I remember the old NSAS thing, and, and I'm, I'm actually, you know, it, it's so bad for me. And, and right now I'm, I'm losing it, I'm losing it. And I listen to that song by Bonaboy, 2020, and every time I get to the end of that song where those guys were screaming at each other and they were like oh sit down sit down let them shoot and then the last part those guys were like oh this is the rest of us like others have been shot and killed i'm always close close to tears and i'm actually losing it literally right now it's just so bad and i i'm just happy that at least even if they want to populate they want to control the media and push lies and push propaganda some people have taken it upon themselves to ensure that the truth is out there and the truth is out there and it will be there permanent and this is something that we would be able to point our children to and say oh this happened in our time we tried we did this for the country we tried to push this for the country we tried to push for change for the country and this was the eventual outcome of it so that everybody knows it is glaring it is it is as clear as broad daylight that the nigeria government tried to suppress our voice and for me that song by bonaboy 2010 20 is is just the song it's just the song it tells the full story it, it just it's a summary of everything that happened you know so um i think i think that is it from the angle of storytelling the media will always be rigged and uh, I think it was the Mali that said that if you if you are older than 10 years old or something and you believe everything you are see on CNN, you are not a serious person. I, I don't know. He said something along that line. There are other songs too that I've come across a couple of times. I think Talk and Do by Banky W, Banky W featuring Two-Face and a host of others. Uh, 2010-20 by Chiki. And then um, there's another one. There's another one. There's another one. Uh, Mr. Jide, yeah, Mr. Jide by Ola Deeps and Terry Apala. All right. So for you, what tools, you are in the media, what tools do you think that we can use to preserve history and specifically to ensure that um, uh, the labels of our heroes, uh, our heroes present this time around, because they are not in the past, as as far as we are concerned, not in vain. Yes, will not be in vain. Yes, because a lot of them did stand for us. Well, 
the media is so regulated. You know, recently when the Twitter ban was in, uh, was in, was, what would I call it? Yes, when the Twitter ban was enforced. Is it enforced or instated, I want to say? Um, you know, we thought the media houses could, you know, we could still use. And then NBC issued a, a, a memo that we are not allowed to as well. And then, of course, there was also regulations on how much we could, how much of these we could discuss and not having to be slammed with a fine, you know. Hmm. I do not want to say I have lost hope and that truly we're not truly free and that we do not have free press here in Nigeria. If we're being honest with ourselves, we don't practice free press. The press is not as as free as it should be or unbiased because it is still controlled by some of these people. And um, so really largely social media is what we have. I feel that's like our best shot as it is right now, pending where we can get better policy hmm. so that the media will not be gagged because that's what is happening right now. We're being gagged. There's there's, there's not much of, of NSAS. Uh, there's not much of it that we can discuss before you're being, uh, you know, labeled as somebody who's trying to instigate decision or instigate or cause an uproar or stare or stare issues in the community do you understand mm. Mm. so we also have to we have to make sure that at least the social other than other than banning twitter you cannot regulate social media entirely now can you no so but, but, but you could pick you could pick people up for saying certain things on social media i understand i'm trying to say that we can use that to keep making ourselves aware so that come 2023, it's not even all the way in 2023, so that we can create more awareness. Let's make people know what's happening and get their PVCs so that we can voterize because that's the only thing that we can do. I feel, I feel most people, uh, especially my, 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 our age grade, our age group, when you tell them, if you ask about, you know, the coming election, are you going to vote? Are you going to get it? The, the mindset of, of, um, there's nothing we can do that we are helpless. We need to stop. Although it's it, it, it's not going, it's not a miracle, you know. We might not win 2023, but then we we could we could get the the one in the future. What about uh 20? What was the next election, please? After 2023, 2027, 2027, or if if not 2027, we should play the long game. I feel that's what we can do. We can we can't uh, we it can't change instantly right now. We have to play the long game and we have to stand our ground. And as youths, we need to realize that we have power. They're making us some unscrupulous elements might make you you know the, the trying to change the narrative of making us feel helpless, but we're not. If we're playing the long game, we don't have to. It's not it's not immediately. It's from the grassroots that's where we start from it's not immediately or a youth can just appear to them and be like the president of nigeria a lot of people are going to have to die for that to happen you know Mm. this you and i know this Mm. (laughs) a lot of people are going to have to lose their lives for that to happen but even even when we're still going to play the long game lives are still going to be lost no revolution is easy Mm. but that where we're talking about the media and what it's going to do modern day media is the best shot Mm. that we have at least Mm. now we have internet uh Mm. we have we have uh, we have we have the internet really that's just it because even indigenous and terrestrial forms of media have employed the use of the internet to make you know to to expand and spread their reach and make them really accessible social media is what we've really got 
right now, really. Okay. And one thing is sad, though, I'd like to say something. You know, uh, the National Executive Council had advised. They didn't advise. I was on a paper review and... It was not an advice. We were warned. The Nigerian youth has, has been warned by the National Executive Council not to try to commemorate in any way the events that happened on the 20th of October 2020. Not a walk, not a peaceful walk, not a convention to even discuss the issues, to discuss the way forward, to look at you know, to gather and lick our wounds. They do not want to give us any opportunity whatsoever to regroup. And now the reason that it's been cited is that it could be hijacked. But then I remember that Swagger just happened in Lagos when campaigns, uh, strategic campaigns have been going on certain places. Concerts are being organized. Why hasn't that been hijacked? Why are you warning about a place where we just want to go and comfort ourselves, you know, stand in solidarity with our brothers and sisters that we lost on that day. Remember them, keep them in our hearts because that's where they're going to be forever in our memories. We just want to be able to meet, come together and share stories and talk because even when we are together in a space, then we can be able to talk about what we went through as a community and we're not getting that opportunity. We're not getting that chance because of violence. <laughs> Violence that does not even seem to exist if it is not instigated by somebody or a party. When I say party, I mean a group of people. Mm. To what to what end? What who benefits from this? I shouldn't be asking you questions now, should I? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, one um, of my fear, you know, one of my fears for this kind of discussions is the fact that they almost always, always want to always end in the same place. It's almost as if Okay, at the end of the day, you exhaust the whole thing and then you just get there and just realize that, oh, oh, there's just so much that can be done or there's just so much I can do, you know. But I, one thing that keeps me going at times is just like I was talking about storytelling and the way music would probably help us to tell that story better at some point in the future. I think that everyone should be doing their part. So I'm going to take this podcast as, my own part of making my own voice known, or like we would say, like that is my two cents to the movement, you know. And I making think, yes, point. yes, I, I, I can relate with the hopelessness. I, I can relate with potential. Is it potential hopelessness that when you look at all these things round, around, 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 you look okay. So what is the way forward? And then you look at it. Okay, I, I am limited. Yes, you might be, but then there's something you can do to change things in your corner. Uh, there's always something that you can influence. You, you know, uh, recently somebody told me that, that she went to get food at this at uh, at a store or something, and for some reasons the person forgot to collect the the sum from her and then she had gone far and then she was like oh ordinarily she wouldn't go back but because because she's envisaging a kind of nigeria where you can trust somebody all the time she has decided that oh she would go back or she decided that she would go back and um, give the person their money back you know and i see that as a lot of things as far as i'm concerned i see that as a massive contribution to a new nigeria that we all uh envisage or that we all dream about yes yes I, you know i absolutely and totally agree with you that the work really does start with ourselves and you know we might want to you know generally keep calling out the government keep calling out all the all the discrepancies the the heinous crimes that they commit against us but then the real work really does start with ourselves if 
if as human beings we do not look out for one another you know you know one of the things that really made the end stars protests made it fire so much we, which made after okay let me let me i recall the story after the whole ancestors thing now when people see people getting brutalized or getting harassed i've seen videos online when people where people just come up speak up for this person like yeah. no you can't you you, you so you see that is a, a very big change from where we used to be before nobody is going to care they'll be mm. like it's not my business as long as it does not happen to me as long as it doesn't happen to anybody close to me do you understand mm. so now that that is one big positive thing that we've taken from from the whole ancestry. thing now we are actually looking out for each other and i, I would really want, want it to continue and i really know that it's going to get better we're going to continually continually keep emotionally you know, tasking ourselves because we—I feel is mostly because we've been, we have been conditioned to this sense, this certain mentality, especially in this part of the world, that you know, so many abnormal, unfair things. They seem, they seem cool. Mm. They seem like mm, okay, like a normal, regular day thing. Like it happen. You know, that's always the word. It happen, which is very wrong. But now we're starting to see that it's it's not right, and we're speaking up and we're fighting for each other. And we're and was and standing just the other day i was at the bus stop i was feeling that like i was scared and then somebody offered to stand with me till i got a bike although we were going the same way but it was it was at night you know anything could have happened so you know that's that's where it starts from it starts from consciously saying you know wanting to do the right thing as a citizen of the country yeah um brothers keepers that's really important when injustice is happening somewhere and you're there if you do not speak up then you're just as bad as that person if you do not intervene if you can help and you don't you're just as bad as the governments that we are calling out hmm. no somebody i was seeing this uh there's this um i don't know if you remember the matrix and there was this phrase i picked from there cause and effect hmm. For every action that you do, you know, there's a there's a cause. And there's once there's a cause, there'll be an effect from that cause. Hmm. All actions have consequences. And so we have to be very intentional about growing and being better people. Because only then can we can someone good, you know, can the better is that's when we'll be able to recognize who who can who can who can reflect the change that we want because it's not them necessarily, it's the people. We have the power. So once we start to change, I believe that we'll start to put in good, better people in right in the place that they're supposed to be to do the work that we need them to do. Hmm. You see, um, did you see Faust's post? He said, the killed innocent souls that were simply asking not to be killed or brutalized. A year later, no one has been punished yet for those heinous crimes. A couple of well-meaning citizens decided to put together a summit. As I type this, there is already heavy police presence at the Lake Target. Now, best thing they could come up with is organizing concerts to try and distract us from remembering the real heroes in all of this. So if you're remembering the heroes that we lost, come October 20th, 2021, I really hope that we can together remember those who have gone. We will never, ever be silenced. Thank you so much, Oiza, for coming on the show. And um, so once again, this is like a call to everyone or to every Nigerian, every young person out there, this is a call to you specifically listening that you can influence that little corner where you are. You should not forget that 
you should be your brother's keeper. Um, I know that the Bible, I know that very well. The Bible charges you to look after your neighbor's um, sheep or to look after your neighbor's goats. And if the Bible remembers to, uh, to identify that you should look after your neighbor's goats, you know what should actually even after, um, happen to your neighbor. And that was why Jesus said you should love your neighbor as yourself. I'm very sure that the other holy books also charges people to look after uh, to look after people. And, and I think I am also of the opinion that humanity should transcend the borders of religion. It wouldn't matter, it doesn't matter whether Hex is a Muslim or why is a Christian. Uh, if he's a human being, it deserves your love, it deserves the best, it deserves deserves to live too. People should not uh, people should not be disadvantaged because of their religion or because of their political inclination or because of whatever it is. But do not forget that uh, you should be the best Nigerian and the kind of Nigeria that you imagine other people should other people to be at every opportunity and every chance that you have. All right, Oiza, do you have um, closing words? And um, probably this week, maybe you want to do the oh, thank you for listening without. <laughs> without me doing the relay on the show <laughs> <laughs> yeah without it being recorded right yeah <laughs> okay um it's been it's been a really wonder a uh, great honor it's been a really great honor being on here coming on here sharing my opinion sharing my lending my voice to the cause you know having this sweet sweet chat with my hmm, my dear dear friend so once again as always Thank you for listening to Shalom and I on this week's episode of Shalom Talks. And we really hope that you enjoyed it. Now, you know, a brand new episode drops every Monday. Do not forget that you can reach out with your feedback and suggestions for the show on Anchor and our social media handles or shoot us an email on shalombamiboye at gmail.com. All right, everybody. There you go. Do have a blessed, uh, a pleasant week, and do not forget to come out on. Or don't come out because the government has said you shouldn't come out. But then, do not forget to do don't your. Don't come out, yo. <laughs> <laughs> do not forget to do your part on the twenty eighth of October, twenty twenty, and um, register your voice. Let your voice be known. All right. Um, talk to you next week, and yes, there's a special announcement next week. I'll be making a couple of changes to the show. So that is something that you should look out for. All right. Bye-bye. Um, talk to you soon. Thank you, guys. Bye. Bye. Corruption, tyranny, abuse of power do not go on a break. And so today I'm choosing to use my voice and my talent to push for the things that we ought to have. And I want to ask you all, these fine people, to please join me and support my vision for promoting democracy, human rights values, and equality through arts. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, so